The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now, here's your host, Sharon Kleina. I want to invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleina Hour, The Power of Water and Water Life Science. What is water life science? Well, we've understood that many, many years have passed by. Let's say millions of years have passed. And you have not been reminded enough or the education provided enough or the medical field has left out of their everyday vocabulary how important water is in your life personally. And this is where I come from with my research. I'm the founder of Biologic Aqua Research Center, Water Life Science. Water in your life is your life. Without it, you have diseases. You have symptoms that cause diseases that you had no idea what the symptom was about because you weren't taught how important water is to your everyday life. You can hear about what has happening with not enough water lately and the contamination of water and the pollution and, and all the challenges we're having on the planet Earth with the crisis of water, and it is a crisis. Uh, nobody's doing much about it. They think they are. But it is a crisis. They haven't entered technology into understanding why water is so important in everyday life to each, every individual and their survival. I had on the air not long ago uh, Captain uh, Stuart Orr, who is a Navy pilot. He was allowed to carry so much weight in his cockpit as a Navy pilot. He decided not to carry the gun. He was going to carry enough water that if anything would happen and he had to land or crash, that he would be able to have enough water to survive until they got to it. He knew one gun wouldn't work enough for anything, but he knew that the water could give him survival because he couldn't live without water. Now, this is where I come from with this show, how serious it is and the life-saving future of it worldwide, is the moment you were born, you left your mother's pocket of water. Let's call it her, the cave. You left her pocket in her cave of water. You lived in that submersible water. You were being fed and all those organs of your body began to develop inside the water pocket. Then you entered in to the air we breathe called water vapor. Now, let's just teach you some vocabulary. Water vapor is in the air, that invisible water to keep you alive. That's nature's method for all of life on Earth to stay alive, including the Earth. 
So you enter into the air you're living in, and from that moment on, the invisible water in the air is keeping you alive by recycling the water into your body, through your body, living with your body, and that whole supplementation and recycling is from that moment on, excuse me for copying, from that moment on, you begin to live. But guess what? Inventions of technologies called supplementation began at the beginning of time with nature's instincts of how to survive. You open your eyelid. There are no two eyes alike. There are no two fingerprints alike. Everybody has a little difference because you're evaporating your own individual water loss daily. Each of those organs have a water substance. The brain is 80 to 85% water, and I'm never going to get tired of repeating this over and over again because I think when you're not listening to the show, you might forget it, and I don't care if you won a Nobel Prize. I wouldn't care if you're a physician. I wouldn't care if you're a scientist in an everyday lab or walking on the streets of America and just learned it all or have never always knew thought you knew it all. Guess what? I think we're all forgetting. The brain is 80 to 85% water. In the womb, the brain and the eyes begin to develop at the same second, moment, breath, at the same breath. Now, why did nature do that? So when the eyelid would open and the surface of the eye is 99% water, it's not an eye drop. It's not saline, concocted saline. It's water. It has a tear film that must maintain the supplementation of the recycling of the water in the air to attract to the surface of the eye. But if the eye doesn't receive enough supplementation, recycling of the air, it goes on overload and kicks from behind from the brain. And the brain will kick in and give the eyes from the back of the eyes, a supplementation the best it can with nature. What if it doesn't give enough? Or what if the brain gets on overload and over-evaporates and and then a, a recycling isn't keeping up with the nature of your eyes and your brain? Guess what? A severe depression can begin. The symptom can become out of control. Diagnosis of severe stress because the eyes cannot keep up and the brain goes on overload. Now, the rest of your body has, you have your lungs, they're 75 to 80% water, the heart is 75 to 80% water, skin is 70 to 75% water, your bones are 820 to 25%, your teeth 8 to 10, kidneys, blood, Mud, 50%. Muscle, 75 to 70, 70 to 75%. Water, 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 water. Guess what? So if the brain is on overload and the skin can't keep up with the recycling from the water vapor, the skin itself, what happens? What have you been taught? What are you remembering to do every day of your life? You must learn to breathe properly in and out, in through the nose, out through the mouth. It's vital. Then you're recycling. You're attracting. Like, And by the way, 
the body is electrolytically attracting to that water vapor. Electrolytically, like you're a walking battery. You are. Trust me. You are a walking battery as a person. Attracting to the water vapor individually. So when you're attracting to the water vapor, if you're not drinking enough water and breathing correctly, I mean correctly breathing, what's this going to do? Eating the right food for you personally. Maybe you can't eat what your friends are eating or maybe don't even compare to them because maybe they're not eating proper food for them and they don't even know it either. Your diet is vital to your existence to slow down that evaporation that causes symptoms that can cause a severe out-of-control dehydration effect. Moderate exercise and sleep like the earth has to recycle during the rest of sleep. That's how important this show is. It's vital for life and death. In the show dialogue, we say it could save lives. Well, guess what? We got to learn individually and take responsibility. We'll never stop preaching and, and, and educating, educating the mission, the pilgrimage of what we're going to be teaching you. Now, go to this week, go to some of your uh, research and search Zinka and water. And then look up, search Zinka and water and look up the different ones uh, that you will learn in different countries of what it is happening. And even look up Ebola. I got a report out of England several months ago that they learned how to control Ebola, which you don't hear enough of, by drinking 1.2 gallons of water a day per person. You know what that does? That begins to diminish the, the toxin in the body and prepare to fight the toxin if it should enter into the body called symptoms. Those symptoms, every symptom of your body is evaporation of body water loss per person. Now, today we're going to have some really exciting people that I'm really looking forward to, Dr. Bones and his nurse, Amy. I guess they're very much pursued, we've been told. Their medical preparedness and education for disaster survival is outstanding. Their dedication and commitment is probably not comparable. We're going to be discussing today the difference between sunscreen, which is right down my alley. I've been studying the human skin for 30 years, sunblock, and the Zinka virus. And then we'll get into Lyme disease, too, because that is very well known in our country, too. And, of course, we're going to touch on water. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist. It's the first product worldwide endorsed by thousands of ophthalmologists throughout the world to be the only product on the planet Earth to supplement the eyes, to assist the water vapor of the air, to absorb into the surface of the eye, to help supplement the tear film, to try to maintain the 99% water. It's tissue culture-grade water with just a fine mist. We have patients that are using it that cannot live without it, blind patients who say they can get around in their homes like they couldn't see before. The product for all ages, for all individual lives throughout the world is indispensable. It will eventually become an everyday commodity like you do everything you must do for everyday health. Well, listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, with just a mist, and we'll be right back with Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. 
stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to Sharon Kleina Hour at Yahoo.com. That's Sharon Kleina Hour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Dr. Alton and Amy, are you with us? Uh, I'm with you. Uh, unfortunately, Amy is a little under the weather, so you'll have to put up with me today. I'm, I'm not a pretty I'm not a pretty face, but uh, I hope to oh, well. <laughs> give your give your listeners some good information. Well, let's say you've got a good tone uh, algorithm with your voice. We're going to do fine, uh-huh. and you tell Amy our thoughts are with her and prayers for her to be well very very soon. Well, but thank tell you so us very about much. you started something here that is just fascinating to me. I have been on every military base almost in the country, and and honored by the military of what we did for our troops uh, in Iraq with. Biomed wash, which is uh, an eye wash and a wound wash uh, that we created after and developed after 9-11. Doctor, it was uh, during the 9-11 attacks in the Twin Towers in the Pentagon. Once that explosion happened and all those fumes, their eyes would not see to get around or out and different people had different struggles and and they determined maybe some of those people jumping out of those windows uh, couldn't see. And then we developed uh, Biomed Wash, which is tissue culture grade water, so you can spray the eyes with no burning or blurring to wash it out, and also the wound with tissue culture grade of water. So I understand what you two are doing, and it's a must. You know, uh, doctor, um, when I travel and do what I've done too, it, we, we're, we're not prepared even out in the jungles of any village. There, people don't really think daily to prepare for the unforeseen. They think that might be a negative. <laughs> Am I wrong? So they well, don't have it, that little area of preparation in case of an emergency, like you two are trying to save lives. It's such a shame, too, because there are so many different natural disasters and, and man-made disasters that occur on... Uh, a regular basis, you almost can't read the news without hearing about one. I mean, we had a tornado yesterday, for example, that uh, things like that are very important to prepare for. There are hurricanes, there are earthquakes, there are epidemics, gosh. And if if people would just think about getting prepared for these things, to have some basic supplies, and more importantly, some knowledge, 
as to what to do when somebody gets sick in your family or if somebody gets injured as a result of one of these terrible disasters. I'll, I'll admit that this year, it, a particular listener that you're listening to may not be affected by by any one of these disasters, but over the course of a lifetime or perhaps a, their children's lifetimes, maybe the chances aren't so small that they might not be affected. And so it's so important to learn yeah. how to deal with medical issues, even if you don't do that for a living. Well, it's not just medical. It's just survival. Maybe you won't be affected. You know, if you're, if you're thinking about survival and instinct of preparation, proactiveness, you may not have the medical issues serious or at all. You know, you, I don't know how old you are. I'm 74. After World War II, doctor, people were still in the, in the frame of mind in case something might happen. Every home was always thinking about being prepared for not a negative, but for protection. Oh, yeah, and, you... I'm so sorry. So we were more proactive, and I was raised as a child to be proactive about instincts of, of, of survival. Have you it's, noticed that t- people today are not thinking that way? Absolutely. I believe that people are just so used to the government dealing with their issues and, and basically keeping them safe. And we have so many facilities, modern medical facilities, we have ambulances, we have rescue helicopters, my goodness. Uh, it's, very, it's very easy to let high technology and, uh, and, and our government take care of us, but the truth of the matter is that there are circumstances where they may not be available. Look at Hurricane Katrina not, not too long ago in our recent history. Uh, we lost 1,800 people during that terrible event. And right. you, you might think that we may have dropped the ball with regards to our med- medical response to it, but we had hundreds of medical professionals formed into disaster medical assistance teams, what they call DMATs, and converging upon the Gulf Coast even before the storm is com- was completely over. And so many people were not able to be reached by these medical professionals because of flooding and, and other natural issues that were occurring and people that were the great, the great people to take care of us um, couldn't reach us and were overwhelmed mm-hmm. by the people that they could reach 15,000 patient visits a day for the first few days. Wow. Wow. I, I don't think I'd heard that number. Wow. Well, and then they hurricane Sandy and all these different tornadoes and and disasters that we've had with nature in the United States of America, the flooding and more. And we haven't been, the education that you and your wife are trying to encourage is, I believe, a more proactive education for people to think about more proactively. And it's not, do you think it's because people are so afraid that, well, that might be a negative. I don't, I want to think positive is that people have gotten in the United States not only thinking that if all hell, excuse me, I didn't mean to say that, uh, if all heck breaks loose, at the second I can scream for help, or if all heck breaks loose at the second, maybe I'll get lucky and it won't come to me because it's going to go someplace else, because they haven't prepared how to think. To be I think that 
Yes, I think that the mindset is very simple that you're going to have a modern medical facility available to you very, very soon after an injury. And the truth of the matter is, is that even though your goal may be get to get some uh, an injured person or a sick person to a modern medical facility, there are circumstances where that may not be that easy. I mean, if you had somebody who's injured in a car accident, bleeding heavily, my goodness, even if the ambulance arrives in minutes, sometimes minutes is all it takes to get beyond the point where you where you can be helped. And so that's why it's so important for people to have a general knowledge of how to deal with basic trauma, how to stop bleeding, for example, how to deal with, with injuries and epidemic diseases, how to keep the healthy people in your family healthy while getting the sick people on the road to recovery. And these are things that we don't think in a, a developed country like the United States that we may have to deal with, but we have all we have to look at is recent history, even yesterday mm-hmm. with the tornado that took the lives of some people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, you, when did you start doing this? Well, you know what? We started doing this very soon. I mentioned Hurricane Katrina again. That's actually about the time that we started doing it. We saw that mm-hmm. there were deficiencies in our medical response, not so much because of poor intentions or poor planning on the part of the of the people that were coming to help, but simply, just simply because uh, they weren't able to get there. And so that meant that there are people that were injured that if, they're, if a family member didn't know what to do about that injury or didn't know what to do about bleeding from uh, a, a roof collapse, uh, an injury caused by a roof collapse, something like that, or how to deal with a near drowning, things like that, that there are people that we lost because there was was not a medically prepared person in every family. And that's why we decided then to make it our mission to -hmm. put a medically prepared person in every family for any disaster. So we've written everything that we write about. Now we've hit almost 800 articles, posts, and videos on our website why we decided to write about situations in which there is no one coming in which the average person is the highest medical asset left to their family. And our aim is to, mm-hmm. in plain English, to make that person effective in that role. You know, you just said something. I've been in the medical field a long time, too, and the research development in another areas. You know, um, you're doing two things for, for what I'm noticing First of all, the government is also doing it. Have you ever noticed that the government waits too because they don't take the the budgets? They they never put enough money in the budget to keep people educated. So the government is taking knows it's going to be a lot of medical experts and, and and volunteers galore to help in case there's an emergency. So they put off the funding necessary to prepare the communities for the survival and, and, and disaster effects. So therefore, the people forget. The people are also forgetting because they believe that that's what their government's there for, is their leaders are there to protect them for safety first and everything else second. But the other thing you just described to me, something to bring, uh, ask you, mention to you, I've always said, when you have a, a, individuals in the family, 
if there's an individual in the family that would have to go to the hospital or go to the doctor, who's going to be there to assist them to be prepared to be like the manager to in case there's something that is more serious? So they have oh. preparedness. Well, I'm very glad you mentioned that. I can tell you that it's important in today, even in today's time with, with all the medical personnel available, all the high technology, the availabilities of modern hospitals, to always have a patient advocate available for the member of your family that's sick. And that patient advocate, right. to me, should be a member of the family. I'll tell you a personal story. I have a son who is a very severe diabetic, and uh, he was lucky enough, a young man, uh, very lucky enough to find a donor uh, of a kidney after having been on dialysis due to diabetic-related kidney failure for more than a year. And so when he had the, the kidney transplant, he had some issues with bleeding afterwards because if you lose a lot of blood during an operation, many times when the blood comes out, so the blood clotting factors that circulate in the blood. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we, were visiting, we were visiting him and we saw that his drains that, that were coming out of his abdomen were filling up with blood and it seemed to be pretty quick. Pretty quick. And the nurses uh, didn't really recognize that because, of course, they had many patients to take care of. And so I emptied out the, the drain and I just saw it completely continuing to fill up almost in, in a minute, the, the drain would fill up with a couple of hundred cc's of blood. And it was clear to me as a surgeon, I'm a fellow of the American College of Surgeons, um, as well as my other certifications, that this person, my son, was bleeding internally. And yeah. so I, I brought it and had to bring it to the attention and they were a little resistant at, at the beginning, but it was pretty clear to me that that's what was happening. They realized, after taking a look at how quickly the drain was filling with blood from his abdomen, that indeed I was right. They took him back to surgery and found, indeed, a bleeding blood vessel that had not been uh, ligated. And so basically, in this circumstance, if I hadn't been there as an advocate for my son, then I would have gotten, this was about midnight that, you know, that we noticed mm-hmm. this. Uh, and mm-hmm. I would have just gotten a call in the morning that my son had passed away in the night. Exactly. In fact, where I'm coming from and, and what you're saying too, is that the, the, the hospitals and the doctors have other people. They have other lives. They have lives too. Um, that uh, each family should appoint somebody to keep a log if if, let's say they're not in the medical field like you, but they're keeping a log and they're noticing things. They're writing notes, and they're when they go to the room, they're they're taking serious. How much? What are they eating? What are they drinking? What's the medication names? What are they putting into those tubes? What is the routine? Because if they don't, the routine might have something happen that I had happened to me, my brother, at Stanford University. They made a mistake after a stem cell. They didn't realize it, and five weeks later, he died. Then after oh, the autopsy, so they found out that it was a mistake the day afterwards. They didn't do something right uh, because they had a change of doctors and, and, and um, for a couple of days uh, with a new doctor coming in. Well, this happens all the time, but when, where I'm coming from with this is survival. 
is you're not only training them to be proactive and educate, getting them in the educational frame of mind, do do proactive preparedness, but it also would also be a a Kickstarter, let's say, a a starter programming for for the mind to think about other reasons to be surviving and thinking about preparedness. Don't take for granted because the family is going to the doctor or take for granted in the hospital or the weather is going to change that day. Don't take it for granted that you're not. You must be prepared somewhat to be able to be proactive enough to mentally handle things. In other words, you're mentally programmed how to think and be flexible and uh, somewhat prepared. And that's what I'm thinking about you and your wife must be doing, Nurse Amy, is there's more behind this than just natural disasters. And But there's other areas, too. Let's say you're sitting in a McDonald's, and then all of a sudden there's something that happens in McDonald's that somebody did a compromise to attack. Well, you've got to be mentally prepared to how to activate your thinking and not stand there and not, and think, Oh, what is happening here? You know what I mean? You're teaching more to me, more like a boot camp. That's why I was anxious to have you on today, too. You're teaching a boot camp, a preparedness. Absolutely. You know that in, in this situation, it's so important to be situationally aware. I've written a number of articles recently after the, the various, uh, uh, terrorist shootings and shootings that have occurred from unhinged and deranged deranged individuals in this country that it's so important to be what we call situationally aware to always keep an eye out of what's situationally going on situationally aware okay situational awareness that is i think the key to anything and, and it, we the have found out the situation of preparedness to be proactive for the situation of preparedness no matter what it is to try to be your head to be prepared and be flexible. Don't be emotionally caught up. That's the other thing. Don't get emotionally caught up on it. Just be a situation of preparedness. Well, that's true because you know that in in most cases, if you see a loved one that has been injured and may have a broken bone that's pointed the wrong way or maybe bleeding, there is just that natural paralysis that occurs when you see something like that, and especially if if you haven't thought about the possibility of these things happening and and being ready to act, that the people just don't act. And in times when quick action is so Their emotions take over instead of their uh, common sense. (laughs) Exactly. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to bring these subjects up to people to desensitize them a little bit to what things can Mm -hmm. happen, not because we want these things to happen, you know, our... Mm -hmm. We basically want everybody, yeah, we want every, I want, my my goal personally is to live to age 90 and and have my grandchildren whisper in my ear as with my last thoughts and say, hey, Gramps, what are we going to do with all this stuff that you've put together, (laughs) you know, to prepare us? But but being prepared is not, it should be common sense, but after World War II, we're going to take a moment with our sponsor and we'll be right back and we'll discuss some other things, but... After World War II, people were always preparing because they were taught that during that crisis. And since then, we've become complacent, I would call it. 
we're not thinking. And we're all guilty in a way. Whether you know your subject well or I know mine, we all get complacent about, okay, uh, yeah, I'll get to it again or I'll get to it, oh, I've got to remember to ta And we, we're all so communicated with and we're overtaxed with communication, which means overtaxed with distra- distraction, I believe. We're so distracted You're so right. today. I, I so we're going to take a moment with our sponsor and we're going to don't go anywhere and we'll come right back and we're going to discuss uh, the differences between sunscreen, sunblock, and the Zinka virus. What you, you sit right there and we'll be right back. Well, listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist with Just a Mist, the only product worldwide to supplement the surface of the eye with 100% tissue culture-grade water with Just a Mist. And we'll be right back with Dr. Bum. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist. Just a mist. All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Listening to the Sharon Kleiner Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to Sharon Kleiner Hour at Yahoo.com. That's Sharon Kleiner Hour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Doctor, also, you wanted to discuss today the differences between sunscreen and sunblock. We'll start out with that. What is your thinking on educating people about that? Well, of course, you know that the sun, when in the old days, it was awesome to get this beautiful tan, and there were products that uh, we would apply, like copper tone, the old, old-timey old copper tone that would basically fry our skin, and that is awesome. honestly one of the worst possible things that you can do long-term is to not protect yourself against the sun's rays. And so there are a number of items that you can use, sunblock, sunscreens, and most people don't really, uh, most people consider those to be the same thing. They use the terms interchangeably, and actually they're different. A sunblock uh, contains tiny particles that block and reflect UV light. They block the light and they reflect it away from you, whereas a sunscreen contains substances that actually absorb the UV light into the, the cream or the lotion, thus preventing it from penetrating the skin. Now, a sunblock would be, let's say, zinc oxide. Have you ever seen people on the beach with the uh, white noses because they've put, all the, put some stuff on their nose that just turns it, turns it white? That is sunblock. Now, sunscreen is different. It's a cream or a lotion that's what we call SPF rated. 
And SPF stands for Sun Protection Factor. And that was developed in 1962 to measure the capacity of a product to protect against ultraviolet radiation. So it measures the length of exposure to the sun before you burn. So let's say if you see have a product that's SPF 15 and these, or, or 30, you've seen these numbers, I'm sure, on, on various products. It, normally it takes about 20 minutes without sunscreen for your skin to start burning, to start turning red. Now, a product that's SPF 15, for example, should delay burning by a factor of about, of about 15 or changes it to about five hours before you'll burn. And higher SPF ratings give more protection, especially beneficial to those with fair skin. These are the people that are going to have real problems down the line. And so the important thing with regards to sunscreen is that you have to apply it regularly. Sunscreen lasts about a couple of hours. And so you're going to spend, if you're going to spend the entire day out in the sun, you've got to apply it on a regular basis frequently throughout the day in order to have protection. I, I, something I did years ago as I was studying human skin organ for, for the evaporation process of living with the air, we're living with the water vapor. And I noticed that when you apply that sunscreen or sunblock or protection on the skin, because the skin is like a desert. The skin is not as supple at the surface. The water content is below there. And it's depending mm-hmm. upon the uh, the water vapor of the air to keep it protected and supple. Mm-hmm. My concern has always been is when you apply anything on the skin, even if it has that protection that minute amount of protection is the individualities, uh, hydration of the skin's nature to the individual. In other words, how evaporating, how quickly is that person individually evaporating and how much water do they drink, what is their diet and more to be able for the sunscreen or the sunblock to even work. Well, Sharon, you know how very, very important it is to stay well hydrated and you should be it's vital when they're out yeah, in the sun. Should, absolutely, you should be. Well, should well not be just in the sun, but I meant if they're going to sit there in the sun, they have to be very well hydrated. It's like years ago with my children when they were swim team on swim team, and people were always so surprised. This is way back when I was studying all this to protect them from the problems of the sun and protect them from dehydration because of the event and the, and and so on and so on and certain foods. <laughs> and certain glucose and all these things I would study to help them be healthy and, and be happy and, and well. And then many years later, I started studying um, the skin organ for other reasons uh, because of the stress that's happening to the body of evaporation out of control, um, too much body water loss. And uh, then I found that the sun, the, these particular applications uh, are not edgy. We're back to your boot camp, <laughs> I, I hope you don't mind me calling you that a boot camp. No, I don't education. mind. I actually, I actually, I actually believe that you are. You couldn't be more correct. I mean, the truth of the matter is, is that in in preparedness, you have to realize that if we were in a situation where we were off the grid for any reason, that the most likely cause of death that's going to occur in your people would be because of dehydration and the right. failure to provide a 
appropriate amount of clean, drinkable water to these people. It just takes a couple, if you just lose 2% of your total body water content, you're already... Yeah, it, it, you start losing work efficiency, you, uh, you, you be irritable, you be, there's so much stuff going on. Just, just as little as 6% water loss. Which can you imagine the human skin organ, the lack of education? Oh, absolutely. Because then absolutely. We, we, we have a tendency as a society, all of us, it's like when the something is on the shelf and it's made by a reputable, well-respected company, will take confidence with what they're saying on the container. And they, they're regulated, and they, they are able to pass the regulations. And people go to use it, but they're not using common sense also because they don't really read it that close. And then when they start using it, it's like putting on a pair of shoes every day. They forget that maybe they're not applying it correctly, and maybe they didn't think about how much water they drank before they went out to the sun. Did they take any water with them in the sun? So how are the poor companies with their directions of use if the person isn't well hydrated before they go and well hydrated while they're sitting there? Will the application really be effective? I'm going to say I don't believe it will be. Well, I, People are I not, think that... And that's why I'm calling your, uh, you and your nurse Amy positioning, going out and teaching proactive preparedness and I call, that's why I meant the boot camp of your teaching. People, you should be all over. You should be going to the schools. You should be going everywhere that in, people should be pursuing you because that proactiveness is something to do with our boot camp of education with everyday living. You know, the earth has its moments. Life has its mankind behavior moments. We have to stop walking this planet thinking, okay, I guess if it happens, I'll have to deal with it. Or if it happens, we'll leave it up to God. If it happens, you know, and I have a very strong faith in God, don't misunderstand me. That's how I live every day. But your boot camp of your, your pilgrimage, let's call it, your mission, is getting people to think about being prepared to live and life every day and take it upon your, take responsibility for your own actions and how you do it. I think that, I think that couldn't be more important, could it? I mean, it's, if you don't take responsibility for your own actions, then how are you going to be resilient in the face of adversity? If you expect help from others any time that you have a challenge, then you're not going to have that ability to, to function, that ability to take quick action if necessary in times of trouble. And so we feel strongly that preparedness is so important. It increases your resilience, resiliency in the face of adversity. It, and I think that it makes for a generally a happier person. And so well, I you think... You learn how to live, live in your own skin. Now, I'm going to go back real quickly about what we just said about the proactiveness, the responsibility, and preparedness. Losing, using sunscreen and sunblock and drinking the proper water. Oh, and you have to add breathing exercises to all this because that's breathing in the water atmosphere and letting it out the toxin through the mouth when you breathe out with those exercises. 
The reason I started, I almost forgot to tell you, I was studying skin all that time because I felt and, and, and believed, and was I psychic about my research then and still today, is that melanoma would be out of control in time. And you being a physician way back in time, when we talked about melanoma, we didn't think about melanoma of the eye, melanoma affecting the brain, melanoma affecting other organs of the body. Now they are. So it's gotten worse, not better, because there was lack of education about the individualities to learn with education about the functioning of the organ of the skin, the functioning of the organs of the body, living with the water vapor in the atmosphere, and the way the earth evolves with the sun, and all the changes that go with weather temperatures and vapor temperature, vapor changes, going indoors, outdoors, what the, the uh, air conditioning, the heating system, the clothing you choose to wear, the diet you're having. You see where I come from. And, and did, uh, was I right that melanoma, this many years coming, has not really had a breakthrough with education? And no, that's more true. It's, it, it, it certainly is, has never been a focus of, um, of the medical establishment to really give a lot of education with regards to that. Of course, I learned quite a bit about it, with, because, but I went to, to medical school for it, but the, if you take the general population and ask them what they know about melanoma, uh, you'll be lucky if they know how to spell it. I mean, this this is how little education is given is given towards this. Now, that go to the Zinka virus that was on here that you wanted to discuss. That tell tell our audience about your evaluation of that. Well, the Zika virus is a pretty interesting virus. It, it comes from Africa, Asia, and has traveled to the Polynesian Islands. It's uh, a member of the flavivirus family, which gives us uh, yellow fever. You may have heard of that. Uh, dengue fever and chikungunya. And it is essentially the latest family of viruses that seem to be causing pandemics. And last year, uh, the chikungunya virus became a pandemic that when it traveled over from Africa, uh, and chikungunya means um, uh, a bone that breaks. And basically, the reason why it says, why it means that is because people who have, who get it, not only get a flu-like syndrome, but they also get terrible pain in their joints and their muscles. And this is something that became a big issue in the Caribbean and South America, and with hundreds of cases, actually, you may not have heard much about it, but hundreds of cases in Florida and some of our warmer states. And so that was last year's pandemic, and this year's pandemic is actually a related virus to chikungunya, which is called the Zika virus. They're all the member, members of the flavivirus family. And and Zika virus causes a very mild flu-like syndrome itself, but it only does that in about 20% of people. So most people don't even know they have it. But the World Health Organization says that it's, quote, spreading explosively, quote, unquote, in the Western Hemisphere. It's jumped upon, it's crossed the Atlantic, and it is this year's pandemic. And when I mean pandemic, I mean an epidemic that uh, affects multiple regions at once with community-wide outbreaks. In this case, mm -hmm. 
We're seeing most of it in the country of Brazil, but there are thousands of cases in many other many other countries. As a matter of fact, the only countries that haven't had a case are uh, Canada and Chile. And what it does is, in its worst manifestation, is it's thought, it's not proven yet, but it's thought to cause birth defects and the, the birth defect that it causes. Oh, that uh, has not been proven yet? It has not, not been I guess proven. I guess I Now, the CDC, that. the Center for oh. Disease Control and Prevention, will tell you that they mm-hmm. strongly suspect it, and indeed it is strongly suspected to cause that. But mm-hmm. uh, the issue with it is, is that uh, Brazil ordinarily has 150 cases of microcephaly in the course of a year. It has 4,000 this year. And so, and, and it coincides with the Zika virus. Indeed, in some mm-hmm. cases, the Zika virus is actually isolated from the placenta or other uh, mm-hmm. products of conception, I guess, uh, so to speak, or even, even in the baby itself. But in some, in some cases, uh, in Colombia, for example, there aren't a lot of uh, microcephaly cases even though there are many thousands of people that have that have gotten Zika virus, so it's sort of it's sort of interesting with regards to that. Now, I believe that it definitely has a relationship, but the, what the relationship is is actually still unknown. Of course, they know that wow. it's passed, it's transmitted to humans by mosquitoes, wow. and so that you know, what it re- you know what it reminds me of is the lack of education and understanding of Lyme disease in the United States. I have a person who you would have just loved. Her husband was the founder, president of Revlon. Millicent Condon Doyle was the first person ever elected to the board of directors for Harper's, graduate of Juilliard, a queen. And she got Lyme disease. And she literally just began to just come a cripple through the years and died. I have another person I know in New York. Her, um, she was with a scientist for years, a very famous scientist. She got Lyme disease. He sent the path, but she has just slowly and surely crippling. And why aren't they learning more about when these different kinds of effects from these different, like a mosquito and these different things that can have different, uh, what would you call that? Different, um, what would you call it when they're getting these more tropical or when you're getting mosquitoes or, or even I don't care if it's a, 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 a spider bite, they still don't know what to do much. Yes, it, it's it. actually true. And the thing is, is that, that these are very small. These creatures are, are very, very tiny. And a lot of people actually don't realize that they're getting bitten. Uh, and mm-hmm. the 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 funny thing is that these animals themselves, the mosquito that causes Zika disease, the tick that causes that carries the Lyme disease, uh, they are not sick themselves. They are what we call vectors. Uh, right. uh, they transmit the disease to humans, but they do not get sick themselves. And so, and they're so tiny that it's very easy for human beings to not even notice that they're being bitten. And, and Can so I that brings something up. I hope I'm not going to step on your toes. And if you don't want to go into it, because I have a tendency, I've been at this a long time. <laughs> and what I do is my field right. is studying the evaporation of the body and living with the atmosphere and what we do at the water table of it all. And that's my world and patents all over the world and where I go. Okay. But have you oh. noticed 
that the smaller research centers that could go out and study these different uh, d- different symptoms and come up with um, new medication, new treatments, they're depending upon the biggest companies to do it. And if the largest companies on the public stock market, they're being su- supported by the public stock market. And if the public stock market doesn't really like the way they're going, so they're going toward the m- m- other directions that appease the public stock market, not what's going on with like these kinds of symptoms. To them, it's not going to make enough money yet. So they don't do, uh, they do, well, talk about preparedness for the for symptoms of, of disease or these kind of symptoms of disaster. They don't, they don't do anything much about it because it doesn't make enough money yet. That's true. I, I well, don't need know. to put you on the spot, but I, I get to do that because my world is living in that world. Uh, as, as a tech, into technology, but we only have one more minute left, darn it, and uh, tell the, your wife, I said, I wish her well, but how would you like to close off with your audience today with us? I just want to let them know that the, that the average person can be a medical asset to their family with a little knowledge, some supplies, and they can be prepared for just about any disaster that they can encounter, and I honestly believe that the average person can be truly a resource to their family if they just put a little time and effort into it. I'd like them to go to uh, our website where we have almost 800 post videos and podcasts on medical good. preparedness. Oh, good. Thousands of topics. And believe me, you will find a lot of great information. Everything we write about assumes that you are the end of the line with regards to your family's health. We hope to empower you and we hope to make you. And the website effective. is called Doom and Gloom. No, no. Doom and Bloom. <laughs> we are the opposite of Doom and Gloom. We are Doom and oh, Bloom. What is it? Another, doom, basically, it's Doom and Bloom. Basically, Doom is the disasters that may confront humanity, and Bloom, as in a, fo- a flower blooming, is the human human's ability. To, to be do resilient it. in adversity. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. I wish you well and your wife. And uh, anytime you want to have a subject to come on, please come in and uh, we'll take it to the education of our audience. Thank you, Sharon. Thank you. You have a nice day. You too. And be well. Bye. Well, did we learn a lot today? And I think the idea behind the show today with Dr. Bones and his wife, Amy, who couldn't be on today, is their pilgrimage, their mission statement of teaching you how to prepare for disaster survival or anything to do with health issues or preparedness issues during your day. Be flexible. Don't always think somebody's going to be there for you. You've got to be there and be flexible for yourself and take responsibility to be independently doing it yourself until somebody should arrive. But you've got to be quick and you've got to be no emotions involved and very, very flexible. I want to thank you for listening today. As I always say, embrace your life, every special moment, and somebody else's. But earth whispers, never say goodbye. Always leave something of yourself for all the generations of children to come to know that you cared. Thank you for listening, and you be well. (music) 
thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel with an encore Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinaHour.com. Oh, 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 o